Now, we're going to play a game real quick. So in the back of your um, back seats of your seat, we put those little things. We're going to play the this or that game. If you guys remember, we're in the middle of a series. So go ahead and take one second. Grab it. If you didn't get it, it's right behind you. There you go. Yep, right behind you. Um, everybody gets to participate. It's really fun. Uh, anyways, uh, and then I think they're going to turn on some music for me. There it goes. Look at that. Isn't that cool? All right. You guys ready? This is our third weekend. You guys are pretty good at this. We got one more week of playing the game. I know some of you are like, I hate playing games. Uh, I get it. I'm that way too. So uh, let's do this. You guys ready? So by the way, the game, if you haven't been here, you get to vote what is the one that you prefer, this or that. Pretty simple. Show me the this or that. I kind of want to see what everybody votes this week. And it's, this is all about relationships this week. So here we go. All right, number one, would you choose costume party or Super Bowl party? Costume party. Show me real quick. I want to see. Or Super Bowl party. I got a lot of red, which would be Super Bowl party. A few costume parties. Okay, all right. How many of you would dress up? to go to the Super Bowl party. That's kind of a costume party a little bit. All right, next one. This is, I think this is very specific on this next one, if you're ready. The next one is toilet paper over or toilet paper under. Let me see. Okay, I see a lot of blue. Yeah, those are my people. Where's the reds? Let me see. Everybody, all the blues, put your hand down. The reds, keep them up. Let me see. You might be in the wrong, just to let y'all know. I wanted to prove that once and for all. All right, here we go. Next one, hotel or camping? Where's my hotel or camping? John, right? Uh, this was for you. I really, you know. Maureen, you used to be a camper. He's influenced you, hasn't he? Okay, we got a lot of blue. Couple reds. Okay, yep. I can go either or. I can go either or. I prefer camping, but maybe with a shower around the corner. Anybody else like that? I don't know. All right. Many friends. Next is for that. Many friends or your bestie. Does anybody know what bestie means? That means your best friend, in case you're wondering. Many friends or your bestie. A lot of red, which is the bestie. Okay. And many friends. I see some with many friends. All right. Okay. Next one. Cook. Or clean? Let's see. Cook or clean? A lot of cooks, not a lot of cleaners, right? You got to make friends with the cleaner people, okay? I see, I see uh, like husband and wife in here, both cooks. That means nobody cleans? I understand. All right. What about neither? Does anybody neither? Is there a neither in here? Okay, there's a few. There we go. All right. Yep, I wanted to see that. That's honest. All right, next one is spender or saver. We can keep the music going. We still got a few more. Spender or saver. All right. Uh, man, that's divided. You know what they say about a divided house, right? I don't know what to tell you. All right. All right. Win at, this one's interesting. Win every argument or you get the remote. Which one? Either you win every argument, you get to have every argument that you win, or you control the remote. I want to see my control the remote. Man, there's quite a few red people in here. Y'all got control issues. All right. 
Here we go. Uh, number eight, road trip or cruise? Road trip or cruise? Okay. A lot of road trips. I get a little seasick, so I get it. I see some red in here. All right, red. Yeah, more blue than red on that one. Next one. You ready? Make sure to vote online if you haven't already. Vote online. Here we go. Uh, tell me straight or tell me I'm right. What would you prefer? Tell me straight or tell me I'm right. Man, a lot of blue in here. Some, some are saying I, I just want to be right. I get it. I just want to be right. All right. Next one. Now try not to be mean on this one, okay? Live with my parents or live with my in-laws? Try to be nice. Come on, we got to vote. Joey, hold it up high. He's nervous. Yep. There's a few. No, okay, Bob, is that nobody? Neither? Bob's saying neither. There's a couple. You're not really allowed to do neither, but you had blue, so we'll just go with blue. All right, here we go. All right. Marry for love or marry for money? Don't vote. That's awful. You guys are awful. Come on. Up high. Let me see. You guys are shallow. There are some shallow people in here. I question about my wife. I had to tell her at one point, I am not going to be very loaded. I'm going into ministry. That was a difficult discussion for her. All right. Give it up. Put your signs down. Give it up for yourselves. All right. Way to go. We are going to use the signs one more time in a couple minutes, but I'm going to get there. So just hold on to your signs too. But All right. So if you guys remember... My name's Matt, by the way, if I didn't get to meet you. Uh, I get the privilege of being able to talk to you today. But we are in week three of our This or That. And so the first week, if you guys remember, we talked about church. Does everybody remember that? And then the next week, we actually talked about you. And then this week is going to be all about relationships. Ooh, relationships edition. Have you guys enjoyed the series so far? It's been all right, right? Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, I let everybody off the hook with like showing up to church and giving. So we're going to do a bailout campaign for me today, okay? Can you guys bail me out a little bit? I'm just kidding. That's sarcastic. We don't have to do a bailout. Um, but uh, God won't judge you if you don't come to church, but we might just a little bit, okay? Would you guys agree? We'll judge each other, this or that. Um, okay, so question for y'all to start off. Have you, don't, this is rhetorical, <laughs> got to say, right? Have you ever been in any type of relationship, right, where you really had high hopes for the other person, right? Like you had, man, this person, they are a great person. They're probably always going to be a great person. And instead of that person making you happy, that person actually drove you insane, has anybody ever had a relationship like that where, man, I really thought this was going to go a certain way, and then it didn't? Maybe it was with a boss. Maybe it was with a coworker. Maybe it was with a friend. Maybe, shh, the person might be sitting next to you. Don't make any sudden movements, okay? Maybe hold up your sign. Don't hold up your sign. Just know it could be somebody sitting next to you. All right. Can I tell you, typically a big part of the problem 
right? The big part of the problem in relationships are false expectations. False expectations. In other words, you still think, whatever that person in your life is, you think that you can change that person, okay? And I get it. And I will tell you, relationships, I think we can all agree on this, relationships can be hard, they can be taxing, they can be difficult to do well. Can we at least agree about that? They can be difficult to do well. And all jokes aside, we can be very disappointed in life if our relationships, if people don't line up to the expectations that we have. Amen? Today, I want to give you guys a few this or that's that can possibly help in our relationships, that can possibly help in the relationships that we have. So we're going to go ahead and vote. If you can grab your signs again online, if you can vote with us. Um, In relationships, the first this or that is we either forgive fully or keep a tally. Let me see a vote. Forgive fully or keep a tally, right? Some of you are voting red, and I appreciate that. Uh, Where are my keep a tally people? Like, you're just good at it. Just good at, right? Like, I got it. I know how long this person, I've been dealing with this person, uh, and you have it all lined up, all the things that they did in error, right? Um, When I was a teenager, Uh, I actually went to anger management, okay? And what's disappointing about telling you all that is that half of you aren't surprised that I went to anger management (laughs) as a teenager. It's very disappointing. The other half are starting to think right now, I could see that, which is slightly judgy. Um, But when I was a teenager, uh, we went to counseling, went to anger management, and one of the things that they taught us there was they wanted to teach you how to let things go. They wanted to teach you how to forgive. And I remember they kind of stood me up in front of the class, roughly 17, with all these families, um, and I stood in front of them, and I had to hold my arms out, okay? Which, if you guys know me, it's not natural that I stand in front of people, even though I'm up here every week. Um, But I had to hold my arms out. And the counselor wanted me to recite all of the things that everyone had done wrong to me, right? And so I just took him for his word and just started saying a lot of things. And while I'm holding my arm out, he's, or both of my arms, he's loading up the books, okay? He's putting these books on my hands, and I'm thinking he's going to give me some kind of illustration at the end, but I just kept talking and kept laying all the things out and all the people that had hurt me, and he just keeps putting more books on. And eventually, as he's going, he goes, well, what are you supposed to do? And I'm lost. I have no idea. And eventually, the whole class shouted out, drop the books, right? Let it go. And I dropped the books, right? And I thought to myself, I, I, I thought that was the strangest thing to tell me because I thought, why would I let go of all these things that people hurt me with, right? Because I thought, well, this is perfect ammunition. Anytime somebody makes me mad, I can just tell them, well, you did this, this, and this. So why would I let things go? And for a lot of years, I believe the church kind of had this mentality where they just told us to forgive, right? 
They're like, they talk a lot about forgiveness. They tell you, you got to forgive people. You got to forgive this person. You got to forgive. You got to forgive. You got to love. Have you, how many of you guys have heard that? You got to love people. You got to love the world. You got to serve. You have to do a lot of things. You have to be and you have to do. And you have to be and you have to do. And you have to be and you have to, right? And you just heard that over and over and over again about relationships, and a little bit of God's grace they would mix in there. Like, oh, this is a little bit of God's grace, and this is a little bit about God's love. And maybe just to hear a little sprinkle of God's grace, but then you got to make sure that you do and you love and you forgive. And what's cool that you may not have realized is here at this church, and I believe other churches as well, is you've actually learned how to be really good at relationships. Even though we don't talk about it, even though you, we're not talking about how to be nice to people and how to be friendly and that you need to reach out to people and all those things, you've actually learned how to be an expert at relationships. I'll try to explain it to you in this way. Hold on one second. How many of you have seen the movie The Karate Kid? Anybody ever seen that movie? Right? Great movie. If you haven't seen it, go see it. The Karate Kid. Now, I think they have a whole series and all this stuff. I'm talking about the original. I think it was Steven Spielberg that directed that movie or something. He was involved somewhere. But anyways, great movie. It's about a young Jersey, New York boy that moves out to L.A. His parents split up, and he moved out to L.A. And there, while he was there, he started going to the high school, and it was a difficult high school. started getting beat up started getting ridiculed, he had black eyes, he was coming home, and in the apartment complex of this young boy named Daniel was a man named Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi was the man, okay? And he worked at the apartment complex and one day caught this boy getting beat up. And he broke up the fight with his karate skills and then took Daniel, which eventually became Daniel's son, took Daniel's son back to the apartments cleaned them all up, and then Daniel then begged him to show him how to do karate. Does everybody remember this? And so he begged him to show him how to do karate, and Mr. Miyagi finally agreed. And so what he did was he took him out to these vehicles, these old vehicles, and he put down the sponge and all the things that you would take to detail cars out, and that's where the famous saying that he was teaching him was called wax on and wax off. Does everybody know that? Then, as the day went on, then he, he went to the next day. He was all done with that. He thought, well, now it's time for karate. And Mr. Miyagi said, no, you're actually going to paint the fence. So he taught him up and down, and then up and then down. You guys remember all that? Went, painted the whole fence, came back the next day, and said, you're going to sand the fence or sand the porch, right? So he sand and then sand and then sand, right? So this went on. To the point that Daniel's son was ticked off, and he laid into Mr. Miyagi. He was done. He was over it. Until Mr. Miyagi said, oh, you want to learn karate? He said, well, let me show you. I want you to show me wax on. And he took a hit at him, and if you remember, he blocked that punch perfectly. And Danielson was, like, surprised. It happened again. Wax on, paint the fence. He blocked a kick, blocked a kick. Another sand, sand, right? Over and over it happened until the point that Danielson realized the whole time he was learning karate, okay? And what I want you to know is it translated for Daniel. 
And when you hear about God's love and about God's grace and about God's mercy to the point that I've heard for years, we got to stop talking about God's love and God's mercy and God's grace. But what you don't realize is it actually translates over into regular life. When you can learn how much God loves you, you can actually become an expert in relationships rather than just being told you need to love others. Because the world tells us that, right? What the world needs now is, we all know that. The world knows that. But in order to love, in order to show grace, in order to love people the way I believe that they need to be loved, we actually need to know his love and his grace for ourselves. Let me see if I can show you. Ephesians 4.31 We're still talking about forgiveness. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. In the Passion, it says, lay aside bitter words. That's pretty specific, right? Lay aside bitter words. Temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. But instead, be kind, affectionate towards one another. Now here it says two things. It said to lay aside, and it said to be kind. Lay aside and to be kind. Now, if you go to counseling, you'll hear the same thing. You need to lay aside, you need to let go, you need to forgive, and you need to be kind, right? But I actually believe that is the difficulty. I believe that that is the dilemma, right? And a dilemma with no answer means no provision. So we have nothing to be able to pull from. We just need to forgive and we need to let go, And really, like when you think about it, when I was holding those books up, I wanted to hold on to those books. I wanted to hold on to the things that people had done to me. We sometimes want to hold on to things that people have done to us. Why? Because it feels like losing. It feels like we're going to lose if we let go. Let's keep reading. I love verse 32. It says, has God graciously forgiven you? Wax on. Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. Wax off. Do you guys see that? Has God forgiven you? Has he graciously forgiven you? See, that is the solution. That is the provision. You forgive others because you have been forgiven. Let me put it this way. Because you've been forgiven, you can actually forgive other people. (laughs) Because when you're trying to forgive someone, I I dare you to do this the next time you actually need to let something go. When you need to let somebody off the hook, I dare you to think about has God forgiven you? I dare you to start there. How much has God forgiven me? Oh, my gosh. Why could I hold something against somebody else when he has forgiven me? Okay, now, I believe it does sound pretty easy, but with each one of these, I'm actually going to give a little bit of the small print, okay? There are some side effects. You you guys know the infomercials where they say headaches, nausea, da-da-da-da-da may include in all this. Okay, I'm going to give you a little bit of the small print. So, Giving God's forgiveness, when you actually forgive somebody else, there is no guarantee that the other person will change. There's none. You are not 
it may not happen. There's also no guarantee that they're going to forgive you back as much as you might want it, as much as you might need their forgiveness. There's a possibility that they might not forgive you back. There's also no guarantee that relationships will continue as they have, right? Well, I want that relationship to keep going the same way. It might not. Sometimes forgiveness is actually letting people go, which is so difficult. I understand. Sometimes when you forgive people, you got to just let them go. Maybe they'll come back. There's no promise of it. It actually might not be healthy to hold on to every relationship that you want. Maybe some aren't actually healthy for you. Maybe you have to forgive from a distance. Does that make any sense? It might be easier to forgive rather than than be right up in your face, right? All right, you guys hanging in there? We're going to go to the next this or that question. So if you can get your signs ready. The next this or that is love overlooks... Or love protects? This is a tricky one, I know. Love overlooks, I just want to see you guys vote so at least we kind of see what the majority of the room would say. Love overlooks or love protects? Okay, yeah, cool. We have pretty divided in here, that's good. Because I believe that this isn't an easy answer. Wouldn't you guys agree? It's not a super easy answer uh, for this. All relationships have expectations. Can we agree with that? All relationships have expectations. It's kind of like if you move into an HOA. Don't know if anybody lives in an HOA, but if you ever move into an HOA, I want you to know whether you like it or not, the HOA, the Homeowners Association, has expectations for you. Right? You can't just move into an HOA and they're like, yeah, you can paint the house green if you want to. It's totally fine. We were hoping that you would. No, they have expectations. They want all the houses to look very similar, okay? When I met my wife, she looked at me and thought, I have some expectations for him. He just doesn't realize it yet. The way he's dressing, that's not going to be that way anymore. The way his hair looks, it's ridiculous. It's been 20 years. She's still working on it. In relationships, there are expectations, but, but people will fail you. People will disappoint you. People will offend you. And I want to encourage you, people sometimes won't meet those standards. They won't meet those expectations. And you might say, maybe it's the beginning of a relationship, you might say, well, I love him. I just love him, or I love her. I love her. And I think at the beginning of every relationship, yes, you love a version of them until they start to irritate you. Wouldn't you agree? Until they start to leave their socks around or leave a towel on the ground or they forget to turn the lights off, all the things that we find about people in long-term relationships, right? And you think, I can change them. They have potential. If your goal is for you to change other people in your life, right, in your lives, I want you to know it's a long road. In Canada, I don't know if Bob's watching, but in Canada, Lauren's watching. I always forget about Lauren. She's the other Canadian. But in Canada, 
they have these offshoot roads, right? Uh, on the main roads, there's a lot of offshoot roads. And there's act they actually look like big ruts, okay? They look like big ruts because vehicles, they get muddy and all this stuff. And I've actually seen signs up there that say, be careful what rut you choose, for you may be here for a while, right? And I want you to know, if your goal is to change other people, you might be on a really long road, there is a possibility that that other person might not change. Ephesians 5.24, we're going to read in Ephesians 5.24 through 25. It says, in the same way the church is devoted to Christ, let the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. Okay, now I want to ask you, wives, how's that working out? That's what I thought. Wives, that is a dilemma, isn't it? Verse 25, here we go, husbands. We got to get the husbands. And to the husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated to us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificial or sacrificing himself. Guys, husbands, how's that working out for you? Not super good. I don't, you're all here, so you haven't died right? Yet, maybe that'll happen at some point. And have you heard this? You just have to love like Jesus loves. NBD, no big deal. Just love them, respect them, submit to them like Christ did. But I believe loving as Christ did is actually the dilemma. It's the difficult part. How did Christ love? That's where we should hang out. How did Christ love? John 3.16 very simple verse. Most people know it. For here is the way God loved the world. He gave his only unique son as a gift. Wax on. You guys following me? As a gift. Wax off. Verse 17, it's not up there, but it says that he sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the whole world might be saved through him. Wax off. Understand that if we spend more time focused on his love for us, it's way easier to love other people. The solvent, okay, we talked about the dilemma. The solvent, the answer is knowing his love for me. The key in relationships is knowing God loves me. Clark has taught us for years that we have to be big receivers of Christ's love, right? That's our main goal is to become good receivers of God's love. What if instead of trying to love other people, instead of that being our aim, what if we made our aim to learn how much he loves us? What if instead of trying to perfect or trying to tweak or trying to change other people, what if we just learned that God loves us right where we're at? It changes our perception about other people. The thinking, this thinking has even changed the way we view God, if you really think about it. Scripture says that we love him because he first loved us. He loved us way before we even had, it says even before the foundation of the world, he knew us and he loved us, right? And I hear all the time, man, we gotta, if we're going to have a revival in the church, man, we got to go back to our first love. we got to go back to the first love, man. 
Can I tell you what the first love was? The first love was when we realized how much he loves us. He loves you. He loves you so much you have no idea. Um, 1 Corinthians 13 is actually, I used to take it and try to like mimic it and copy it. And I just want you to know, it, it, a lot of it has to do with God's love and his love towards us. So if we can go there, 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to read verses 4 through 7. It says, love is patient. This is God's love. It's kind. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Verse 6, love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Now, I do want to give you a disclaimer for this God's love, if you guys can hang in there. In relationships, when we love other people, there is no one size fits all. Does that make sense? Like when it says in verse 7, it says that love protects and then love always trusts. Doesn't that seem contradictory? Doesn't that seem like those are two polar opposites in some ways? Because how many of you guys know love does trust, but it also protects? As a young boy, I was in a family where with my stepfather, not my stepfather now, but a stepfather before, where I am so appreciative that my mom protected me. And my mom took us. When I went to my mom and I said, Mom, we got to go. My mom went. Right? But she didn't have, I mean, I, so I think sometimes it's circumstantial when you're talking about God's love. It doesn't always trust. Sometimes God's love protects. Sometimes it makes a decision. Okay, this is the time where I have to pull on God to say, how am I going to protect this situation, this person? If you love, there's no guarantee the other person will change. Okay, You could love all day long, but I promise you, unfortunately, there is no guarantee that the other person will change. There's no guarantee that the other person will love back. So you could love and love, and you're so sure, man, this person's going to love back. There's no guarantee. And there's no guarantee that relationships will stay the same. There's no guarantee. All right, we're going to go to the next this or that. You guys can grab your signs. This is the last one. But in relationships, we be humble or we be humbled. I know that's not great English. Here we go. But in relationships, we be humble, right, which is the blue, or we be humbled. What would you guys vote on? I would rather be humble, wouldn't you say? I think you can be both. <laughs> I think you can have both experiences. But I would rather be humble. It's just like when you see people make bad choices, I'd rather learn from other people's choices. <laughs> How many of you hate losing? Does anybody hate losing in here? I hate losing. When you choose to humble yourself, it can feel like losing. It really can. Philippians 2, verses 3, it says, Be free from pride-filled opinions. No big deal. For they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first 
and view others as more important than yourself. Verse, verse 4, listen to this. This is the, the difficulty, right? Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. That is the dilemma. <laughs> Wouldn't it be easy if I just said, abandon every display of selfishness? Okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. No, that is actually the dilemma. Uh, does anybody like bowling in here? Okay, good. Don't invite me to go bowling with you, okay? And I'll explain to you why. I am not very good at bowling. I have to be honest. I stink at bowling. I wish I was good at bowling. Okay, every time I go bowling with my wife's family, I lose. And I lose big. And then guess what happens? Then I lose it. Because I hate losing, and I hate finding things that I want to be good at, and I just stink, right? And what I'll tell you is because I'm not humble in those moments, guess what? I'm humbled. I become very humbled because I lose my sense of self, right? And in relationships, if you choose not to be humble, you will be humbled, in relationships, it's better to abandon every display of selfishness, but in order to do that, we have to look at what Christ did. We actually have to spend more time doing wax on and wax off and learning about his love for us and learning how he forgave us and learning how he humbled himself. Because that's where we draw our sense of strength. Verse 5, it says, And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Verse 7, Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. He humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. That's the wax on, wax off part. That is the solvent to trying to be humble. When you look at how Christ humbled himself, that is humbling. Humility doesn't come from groveling before God. I used to think that. I used to think, man, if I can just spend more time in front of God, and man, I just I want to be humble in front of him, and I'm sure that's just going to translate out into the world, and it doesn't. Humility actually comes when you realize what Christ did. When you recognize what he did that you could never do. You can't, in and of yourselves, be humble in situations that you want to be humble without his help. I'm going to give you a little disclaimer here about this humility. Humility is only from God, and it can only happen, it can't happen in your strength. If you be humble, there is no guarantee, just like I said in the other ones, there's no guarantee the other person changes. But I will tell you that humility did change me. This was the one that actually got me. When me and my wife were first married, I was a very difficult person. Not saying I'm not difficult now. 
I'm just saying, I was very difficult. I came in with a lot of baggage, a lot of anger, a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of hurt. And sometimes when you get into relationships with other people, you realize, oh my gosh, I have so much work that I have to do. And I was running into all sorts of situations that I thought I had solved. And then I, I found ourselves one time, me and my wife, in, in a communication battle. We were fighting, right? We had different expectations. And I watched her humble herself in front of me. And I think she pulled from a strength that I wasn't pulling from because I, here I was, I was trying to deal with the situation. I was like, I'm going to fix her. I'm going to fix this relationship that I have. Only to realize, oh my gosh, I can't. I can't, I can't do it in my own strength. It's kind of like, I, I kind of relate it to uh, a couple years ago, I took my wife and my girls up to uh, this cabin in Georgia to kind of get away, and there was this little creek that went out in the back, right? Me and my girls stumbled upon it, and so we walked down the creek, and we realized that at the bottom, the creek stopped, but at the top, it was flowing really well. So me and my girls, we went up to the rocks, and we started removing the rocks. We started pulling the rocks and the debris and all the stuff that was up top where the water was and started to push the water down to where it would be a regular creek. And I want you to know it would be foolish to have stood at the bottom and say, flow, go, go water, go. Why aren't you working? Why aren't you doing what I want you to do? It would be foolish, right? And I actually realized that you had to go to the top to be able to make the bottom work. And that is how this whole relationship thing works. If you're trying to deal with relationships like this, you're going to fail. <laughs> you're going to fail. You actually have to go to where the water is. Go to where the, the answer is. Go to where the resolve is in order for those things to work out. And I promise you, even if you, even if you try to do that, there's no guarantee that those relationships will work out. But what I can tell you is in the middle of difficult relationships, you can actually have peace. And you can experience his love. And you can experience forgiveness. And you can experience what humility feels like even if the other people aren't responding. But I will tell you, if you learn to do those things, it gives the other people a lot better opportunity to be able to humble themselves as well, to be able to love in return, to be able to forgive you. I think most people think, I got to fix this problem right where it is, only to realize that you are actually incapable of making any relationship work without pulling from the source. Amen? I'm going to pray for you guys and... Uh, I really just hope that in this, um, no matter what relationship you're dealing with, because I think we all have different relationships with different people, and we want them to work out. We want them to go the way that they, but there's no guarantee. But I will tell you, in the process, God can give you peace in the midst of chaos. He can give you peace with whoever you're dealing with. He can actually help you to forgive and to love people that in the natural you think, I can never forgive that person. I and I've said that before. I will never forgive so-and-so. And then later I pulled from the strength and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm actually, I've, he's actually given me a grace to be able to forgive people that have hurt me really bad. Right? It doesn't mean those relationships go back to what they were but I can still love those people. I can still forgive them. I can still be humble towards them when I see them. Amen? Father, we thank you, God, for each person that's in here today. 
We thank you, God, for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you, God, that your love actually abides on the inside of us. And anybody we run into, any situation, any circumstance, any person that we would say, man, I I don't think I can love them, God. I thank you that you love them through us. You give us the grace. You give us the strength. You give us the forgiveness. You give us the humility that we can lean on who you are and you can love them through us. We trust you today. In Jesus' name, everybody said.